Hey y'all, it's time to take a brew break. I'm Keela from Keela D Subcreation, sharing my favorite stories 11 points at a time. You can look forward to English major insights, fangirl freakouts, and biblical tidbits as I dive deep into fiction and nonfiction stories in any form. Now grab a brew and join me for Elevensies. Okay, hey everybody, we are back with yet another member of our writing group. We're just never going to run out. We're endless, infinite. So we have Alicia Costello here today. She is a writer and an English professor and a Jane Austen extraordinaire. And so we had to bring her on. How's it going? Hi, everybody. What's up? Today, we are going to be talking about 11 Pride and Prejudices because, y'all, there's way more than 11 versions of this, but we picked 11 (laughs) that we wanted to talk about that include different versions, fan fiction, lots of different fun stuff. I sort of became obsessed with this like a year ago. And so I have been wanting to do this episode and I had to bring Alicia because tell us about your relationship with Pride and Prejudice specifically. Oh, okay. So um, I cannot remember when I read the book for the first time. Although I was a girl who liked books, so it's pretty much required. It's like okay. your, it's your 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 gateway drug into classic literature. It's Pride and Prejudice. Yes. Um, I would say that's about the time the 2005 book came out. I mean, the 2005 movie came out. So it was it was somewhere around there. I think I had read it by the time I saw the movie. I don't remember, but I was a girl who liked books, so it was a required reading for me. Solid. Solid. Yeah. Okay, great. Well, we are going to dive into our each individual experiences with this story in all of its many forms. But first, do you have a fun 11z's drink? I don't. It's just water, but it's in a whiskey's. Me too. uh, We're a cup. (laughs) I came in here and I was like, oh crap, I don't have a drink. And Colton was like, just lie. (laughs) I was going to have a more fun drink, but I didn't have time to get it prepared. That's totally, that's totally fine. Earlier, I did have a half and half tea with strawberry from Sonic, and that was pretty good. Mm, The menu got us. That's how we pick new drinks is whatever's being advertised on the menu. That's what we order. And it was pretty good. The people at Sonic know better than you, right? They do. I trust them wholeheartedly. (laughs) They've never let me. We should not. Sonic people, tell us what to read next. We trust you. Yes. Oh, that'd be amazing. I'm just going to ask. Can you imagine if they're like, here's your drink recommendation. Here's your book recommendation. Okay. I just got a great, a great (laughs) idea for a new business. Let's do it. Why has Starbucks not done that though? Yeah. Like like that's their brand would pair perfectly with this beverage. I feel like I would be Mm -hmm. really good at that job. You know how they have like mixed cocktails and stuff for weddings now? You could totally do like coffee drink of the month and book of the month. Oh, totally, totally. Or like Alamo Draft House will come up with drinks that have to do with the movies. Oh, we could do it. We got this. Easy. We're in the same state. We'll just meet somewhere in the middle and make it happen. Darcy's Dirty Chai. I'm seeing it now. Oh my gosh. I'm (laughs) dying. I'm dying. Let's do it. Okay, that's the 12th Pride and Prejudice. Or yes. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. Yeah. <laughs> We're here to talk about the first 11. Yes. <laughs> the selected 11. 
For sure, for sure. So I guess number one, we have to start with the book, probably. The thing that started it all. Jane Austen, 1813. Little did she know she was writing just a timeless classic story that women for decades would just be obsessed with. So you said you read the book around 2005-ish or a little before. How old were you then? What were your initial thoughts? Um, so I was a freshman in, in college in 2005. I know I'm old. It was phenomenal. I loved every page. I, I'm the type of person, book people don't come for me, but I'm the type of person who has to read the last page to find out what happens or else I will go insane and I will, I will read the book too fast to actually enjoy it. So I, I have to, I have to. Okay. So one time I did not do that. Okay. It was Harry Potter, the third book. Mm -hmm. And I got to the fourth book and I was like, who is this Lupin character they keep talking about? And that's because I had read it so fast that I forgot who Lupin was. Okay. (laughs) So this is the extent of my anticipation. So I, (laughs) I got the book. I guess every someone had recommended it to me or something. I got the book and I blew through it. I mean, just these characters have to get together. It's also an enemies to lovers kind of trope, which is mm. my thing. Here for it. Yes, I'm 100% here for enemies to lovers. And it's like the witty banter and the fact that they're both equals. And as I've grown and read the book more and more, I've come to love like her commentaries on class and economics and men and like gender roles and stuff like that. It's just a really, really fun read. Oh yeah. It's wild. It is so good. It is so good. Like anyone who's like a little weary, a little hesitant because it's kind of an older book, just get over yourself because (laughs) it is so smart and so funny and just, so good so Mm -hmm. good and I will say if anyone's a little scared of the language it really helps to read it out loud or to get like an audiobook and read it because you hear the words I feel like it 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 puts it together in a different way to hear it it's kind of like if you've ever read you know Shakespeare or Old English or anything like that it really helps to hear it it's the same with Jane Austen that's pretty good advice. I I like that. Yeah, because I started Sense and Sensibility and couldn't get five chapters into it because <laughs> of the link. Just it's so hard if you're not used to something like that. But I had yep. seen the movie previously, so I knew the story. And so that's what helped me like get through the book. So I didn't actually read the book for the first time until like two years ago. Oh, yeah. Unfortunately. But I grew up with the 2005 movie and was obsessed. And like I said, a couple years ago, I just exploded with Pride and Prejudice fandom and dug through and found a lot of these versions we're going to talk about today. But yeah, didn't read the book until pretty recently, but it held up. It was amazing. And yeah, I just highly recommend it. It's a story that like, even though we're going to talk about 11, you know, versions or tellings of it I don't think any telling has really been as good as the book and that's really cool to have like to think about this thing that so many hundreds of people have had their hands on over almost a hundred years and um of 
re, you know, retellings and versions and no one has made it quite as good as Jane Austen made it. Like that's, that's amazing. Exactly. That's, that's wow. And the fact that they love the story so much, they keep trying. Like, even yeah. though it just seems like, oh, just a classic love story. No, people are still making remakes of it because it is so good. It is just the ultimate, like you said, enemies to lovers trope that you can't help but root for the people you are supposed to root for. So, oh yeah, it's just great. It's just great. We love it. No, It is worth noting though, that the Victorians hated it. So it wasn't universally loved. Mark Twain famously hated this novel. Yeah, well, what is but like who who cares about him though? Yeah. <laughs> Man, it's like Phoebe said, I would kill to be underappreciated in my time. Yeah. <laughs> well, it did pretty well in Jane Austen's time. Like she was, I think she went through a few printings of it before she died. Mm-hmm. And then like once the Victorians, the Victorians were very like like real gritty true crime like they we our thing about true crime is the victorians they were like let me hear the real poverty what they really wanted was the melodrama with the poverty included but um they didn't want to hear about rich people flouncing around the english countryside yes i I (laughs) that was only like later yeah yeah that's funny well, um, should we give like a brief summary of the story if anyone has like zero idea what we're talking about or should we just dive into it and assume they know something? Do it. You can do it. Give yourself like 90 seconds on the clock. Well, I did see a Google review of it that said one star. It's just a bunch of people going to other people's houses, <laughs> which is a pretty <laughs> solid one sentence. Spit <laughs> out my drink. So that is the most accurate. We're done. I know, right? Yeah. That's it. Over to you, Google reviewer. <laughs> so there's this family of the Bennets. They have five daughters of marrying age, which is very stressful on their mother. And the two oldest are obviously most eligible, I guess. And they both kind of fall. Well, a new family comes into town. And the oldest daughter kind of likes one of the guys that comes, but one of his friends is just this brooding, sarcastic, grumpy man. And she can't stand the second oldest sister, Elizabeth can't stand him. And he's just, he's a jerk. Yeah. He's arrogant. He's horrible. And slowly, but surely over the course of the book, Elizabeth and Mr. Darcy fall in love because he becomes a better man it's not just because oh she thinks she can fix him and he gets fixed it's because he knows he has flaws and he works through them himself so that he can deserve her and earn her love and he does and it's perfect and amazing and everything you could possibly want in a book so we should mention two side plots which are the first one is that jane the eldest sister of the bunch loves the the neighbor right Mr. Bingley yes uh, Mr. Bingley is also accompanied by his two sisters although most of the time you'll only see one in the movies because the second one's pretty useless other than like comic relief for sure, for sure, um, for sure, for sure. <laughs> and um the way that Darcy kind of becomes a better person is firstly that he has to realize that like he broke them up because he didn't think 
that they were in love, but they actually were, and he was wrong. And so he has to kind of get them back together. And then the second plot involves the youngest sister, the spoiled. I mean, if you have a youngest sister, you know, they're spoiled, they're impulsive, they get whatever they want. And uh, that one in this family is named Lydia. And she runs off with a handsome yet, how shall we say, liar, cad, jerk face. (laughs) Yeah, named Mr. Wickham. He's the worst but he's the hottest and he's exactly the type of person you would expect a 15 year old to fall in love with. So yes, there you go. And there's like this whole backstory with Darcy and Wickham that comes out. There's like talking about all the class stuff, all the gender stuff, like it's all interlaced in there, but yeah, it's crazy. It's great. And And we should also deal with, we should also say this only deals with like the upper class. This novel is not interested in servants. This novel isn't interested in people of color. This is rich white people running around visiting each other's houses. Like that is what this novel is. Very true. Good to point out. Good to point out. So a, a, um, a beautiful show of diversity and inclusion, it is not. But it's what Jane Austen had to work with. Exactly. So exactly. That's what she knew. That's what she wrote about. That's what most of her books deal with. So yeah. Yep. Okay. So let's move on to the different versions that we've got since the original book. I'm sure there's like a million bajillion. I think we studied in grad school that some of the very first fan fiction was like Pride and Prejudice fan fiction, which I love so much. But uh we're gonna I have move- never heard that and really? I don't doubt it. <laughs> I don't know why that's like sticking out in my mind, but yeah, I, I wouldn't put it past them because yeah. it's classic. You gotta, you gotta have more. So we're going to jump all the way to like 1939, 1940 is, is this probably the first movie adaptation of it? Yes. So this is the very first movie Pride and Prejudice. So they, um, two things you have to know about this movie have you seen it? I have not seen it, unfortunately. Okay. It is buck wild. <laughs> okay. If you were looking for a faithful adaptation of the novel, this is not it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it, it takes so many plot swerves, I'll say, but it's, again, it's buck wild. So first of all, there is a carriage chase in the first 10 minutes of the novel. Oh my okay? Or in the, the movie. <laughs> Yeah, so they are at the, like, fabric shop when they hear Bingley has come to town. And so they literally, and Miss Lucas, who we didn't even mention, is their friend and neighbor. Uh, Miss Lucas comes in. She's like, oh, my gosh, did you hear this? Mr. Bingley guy's come to town. He has 5,000 a year, blah, blah. It's so great. And she's like, I'm going to get him for Charlotte. Miss Bennett's like, well, I'm going to get him for Jane. And they literally have a carriage race. To see who can get home first? To see who can get home first to get their husbands to go visit Mr. Bingley. Uh, <laughs> That's hilarious. The second thing is that you'll notice it is not set in the Regency at all. It's set in the 1830s. Okay. So super big dresses, super big sleeves, and ridiculously big hats. So like imagine a, a dog cone to keep oh from looking at these are what the hats look like they were nuts 
So there's a lot of fabric. There's a lot of opulence everywhere. I think they wanted, so like 1940, it's the year after Gone with the Wind came out. Mm. So, you know, they want to kind of replicate that. They have Laurence Olivier as Darcy. He's like the dream boat to end all dream boats. Yeah, yeah. And so he is like, there's all this like vibrance and opulence and they wanted to film it in color because it's like gorgeous, big dresses, big sets. Mm -hmm. And they realized that Gone with the Wind had used every piece of color film in existence. And so they had to film it in black and white. Oh my gosh. Wow. But if you are looking for an old classic movie to like drink down a glass of wine and giggle at the craziness, it is definitely this movie again Laurence Olivier fantastic Greer Garson as Elizabeth Bennett old but fantastic and mm. by old I mean she's like 30 but Elizabeth's supposed to be 20 so yeah. but they also did this like screwball comedy they put it as a, as a comedy Interesting. and so like Lady Catherine just completely different yeah it's it's wild it is a wild ride Interesting. <laughs> that definitely sounds fun. I want to watch it now. <laughs> it's great. You can watch it on YouTube. You can rent it for like a couple bucks. It's well worth your time. Good to know. Good to know. So that is awesome. I'm here for that. <laughs> I'm here for a little bit of creative license to, you know, throw in a carriage chase. Why not? <laughs> Why not? Lady Catherine as a matchmaker to Lizzie and Darcy. Why not? What? <laughs> Yeah, it happens. So unlike her. <laughs> yeah, Lizzie, Liz, Lady Catherine visits at the end and she's like, actually, you know, you're bad for my for my nephew. And Lizzie's like, no, I'm not. Like, get out of here. What's your face? So it's basically the same scene. And then she walks out and Darcy's standing there like, well, how'd she take it? And she's like, she's going to be great to marry. She didn't back down. Oh, I yeah. approve. Oh, like, my oh my god wow that's, that's hilarious wild. that's hilarious great it's well <laughs> worth your time yes that sounds awesome all right number three 1995 the bbc miniseries it's like six episodes starring colin firth and jennifer ely and it is amazing as someone who grew up with the 2005 i was fully prepared to hate it but it actually stuck to the book pretty well. And I actually grew to really love the characters. I think they did a great job exemplifying Lizzie and Darcy. I think it, it was great. Oh you- yeah. I think Colin Firth is the best Darcy. Like really? no offense, Matthew McFadden. You're <laughs> great. I think Colin Firth is okay. Darcy 2000, we'll get to him. He's kind of what everyone wants now, but I think Colin Firth is actually what Jane Austen pictured. Yeah, I could see that. So I, I like, I'm not saying he's cuter, but you know, whatever, but I do like 95. It's my sick day movie. You know, it's the comfort at 6am when my kids wake me up. That's what I want to watch. So it's fantastic. And also I just finished watching for the first time. Absolutely fabulous. It's like this 
90s British sitcom. Mm-hmm. And it has the girl who plays Lydia as the daughter, oh, like nice. before she played Lydia. And it's so fun because in that show, she's like the quiet bookish type. And I'm like, this is Lydia. That's so funny. It's the best. Oh. It's a, and like her mom is basically a Lydia, Mrs. Bennett type. And it's fantastic. Yeah. Um, and she's like the one, she's the Mary having to headbutt that. That's um, <laughs> but yeah, this version is absolutely fantastic. I do think it suffers because I don't find Wickham cute. I don't care about him. Oh my gosh. Agreed. <laughs> I was thinking Sorry, the same thing. I was like, that's there, Lucas. <laughs> we love you. <laughs> I think it's the like nineties curls. I don't know what. Yeah. I don't know what's yeah. happening. I definitely came out still thinking the 2005 movie was better, but that just might be because of my personal ties to it that I can't let go of, Mm -hmm. but I thought it was still really good. I started watching it and then like, I had to click the next episode. I couldn't wait to watch the next episode, even though I knew what happens in the story. I had to click the next one because it was so good. And Mm -hmm. I I thought it, it stayed true to the book. They definitely brought in like more characters that the 2005 had to kind of cut out because of time since it was like a full like six hour thing they were able to bring a little bit more in but yeah absolutely when I actually taught Pride and Prejudice one time and I knew that some kids I told them I was like watch the movies watch you know anything you can find um to help you with the language and the story and stuff like that and I was like but if you only watch the movies I will know because Mrs. Hurst will not be there (laughs) that's the uh, Bingley's other sister Yep. who is not on camera, but she's in the 2000 in the 95. And I thought to myself, you know, if they sat through the 95, six hours of this, they deserved it. <laughs> they deserve it. It's kind of like they read the book. I'll accept it. Yes. I will say I was, I was pretty hooked. Like I said, I thought it was really good until the proposal scene. Mm-hmm. I remember thinking, that's it. Are you <laughs> kidding me? After the 2005 one I was used to, I was like heartbroken. It was all building to this and it was over in like two minutes. And I was like, was that, did that And it's in this room with this grandma wallpaper. Oh my God. And you're like, I need the rain. I need the gazebo and the rain. I need him slow motion walking across the field. (laughs) Oh. I needed him to at least say, I love you. He didn't even do that. Well, oh, that's not in the book. Oh. It doesn't count. Oh. <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't handle it. <laughs> anyway, it was so. No, weird. but I agree. It's the, the proposal is much better. It's much more what we want now. Like sure, that's what sure. the audience wants now. It's definitely more rom-com, which I totally understand, but that's what you want when you're watching a romance movie. <laughs> You want Absolutely. that payoff? Give the give the twenty like the the twentieth century audience what we want. Yes, please. <laughs> yep. All right, number four is the Bollywood movie from two thousand four called Bride and Prejudice, which I also haven't seen. So tell us about that. Okay, so Bride and Prejudice, I would say. I mean, like Buckwild on par with the with the 40s 
Pride it's and Bollywood. They have to. But it's it's because it's Bollywood. Mm-hmm. The only Pride and Prejudice I've ever seen well incorporate music. And so they actually, because a lot of Bollywood movies have dances and music and like the main characters will sing, blah, blah, blah. That happens in Bride and Prejudice. I, I actually rewatched say, it. There were music. Yeah, I actually just rewatched it recently for this podcast because it's been a few years since I saw it, but it was so fun. It has uh, Ashwarya Rai, who's like the most famous Bollywood actress, as uh, Lalita, which is their Lizzie Bennett. Mm-hmm. And um, it's absolutely f- phenomenal. So there's an equal interesting part like, this Darcy suffers the horrible thing that he is totally forgettable. Like he's, he's so blah on screen, but the thing I think he does really, 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 really well is he really gets that, like, I'm better than you people kind of attitude Mm -hmm. because they live in a farm like in a farming community in India and he's American and he's trying to buy some hotel near them. And so he comes in and he's like, well, I'm better than this. I'm better than this community. I'm better than, you know, these little farming people. And I think he really, and of course there's a little white supremacist in there too, Um, but not too bad, not enough to make you hate him, but he's just like, I just, whatever. I just want to be rich, but other places, that's my idea of travel. But I think that that aspect is really, really, really done well. Um, They do kind of play with the timeline a little. So like Wickham is introduced a little earlier. A lot of the movie takes place. They leave India for essentially Mr. Collins's wedding to Charlotte. That's in L.A. Oh, interesting. So, yeah. So Mr. Collins, we didn't even mention Mr. Collins, their cousin who's going to inherit. He is he's this like kind of very proto- typical Indian guy who has moved to LA and is like in tech and chasing the big life, Mm. but also just a complete doofus. Yeah. Like Mr. Collins is. (laughs) He's not as greasy, I would say, as the 95 Mr. Collins. That Mr. Collins was so greasy. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I saw him. I was like, oh, you don't even want to be within 10 feet of him. No, no. And so that's really, and, but he's, he's very like dorky. Mm -hmm. He's like a major dork. Um, So (laughs) it's fun. The Wickham character is pretty good. The only thing I will say that is bad about this movie is that the Darcy is pretty forgettable, but they do great dances. They do great. Like at some point, there's a black gospel choir on a California beach. Oh my God. A Bollywood movie. So like, that is great. It's amazing. It's amazing. Um, it's also by the same lady who directed Bend It Like Beckham. Oh, so have you seen that? She is the one who directed that. Corinda Charta. Very so cool. She's, <laughs> I'm sorry if I totally butchered her name. Um, <laughs> don't come for me. Don't come for me, people. She is an avid um, listener of this podcast, so yeah, better she, watch out. Hi, I love your movies. <laughs> but yeah, so it the great dancing great acting the dad also is apparently super famous in india the guy who plays mr bennett what? or mr i forgot their last name it starts with a b yeah yeah <laughs> that's really cool i just yeah it's great i just need to see like darcy break into a song and dance that would just make my whole life <laughs> i don't 
Okay, I don't think he ever does, but he's okay. the American white guy. So it would be really weird for him to do that. That is probably true. That is true. <laughs> I can just see, or is he like over in the corner, like brooding, rolling his eyes while everyone else is singing and dancing? Absolutely. He's he's kind of rolling his eyes going, why are they doing this? This is so weird. I'm so above these people, which is perfect. That's That's oh, yeah. exactly what Darcy does. Oh, yeah. That's a Darcy. That's great. That's so great. Okay, number five. We get to move on to my favorite, the 2005 movie starring Kira Knightley and Matthew McFadden. Oh my gosh. I grew up on this. It was at my friend's house. She owned this movie. And one of our very first sleepovers, she was like, Have you seen this? I said, No. And she's like, All right, we're watching it right now. And then it became a sleepover regular. Every time we had a sleepover, we watched this movie. We also watch Phantom of the Opera and we would decide who did we like better, Mr. Darcy or Phantom. And more often than not, <laughs> Mr. Darcy won because you just, you just got to love him. Required. It's so yes. good. It's so good. And like I said, it doesn't quite capture everything that the is in the book because it's just a two hour movie. But like I also said, it gives you that emotional payoff that you want when you're watching a romance movie with the dramatic scene of them like walking towards each other in a meadow and his like quotes when he's proposing right there and at the end when they're like married like I get flutters butterflies everywhere (laughs) thinking about it Mm -hmm. and the hand flex no nothing in cinema has been communicated so well as that slight flex of the hand I know oh it's so good I literally have I've had people text me the first time they watch Pride and Prejudice and literally all they say is the hand flex yes I forgot about it until you said it and then I knew exactly what scene you're talking about it is so so good it's beautiful it's the most beautiful version of Pride and Prejudice just like objectively Joe Wright does a phenomenal job Mm -hmm. he like it is the gateway drug to Pride and Prejudice. If oh, yeah. you like don't have the attention span for a 300 page book, if you are like a six hour mini series seems rather long to me, I'm just like a normal average person. Will I like this? Put on the 2005. And then after you gather yourself off the floor, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, call us and we'll commiserate together. Yeah, yeah. For sure. Yeah. That is 100% what happened to me because I was obsessed <laughs> with this movie for years and years. And then I was like, okay, I should probably branch out and look at the source material, read the book. And that's whenever I was like, all right, now we're doing everything. We're watching the other one. We're going to watch all of these fanfics and we're going to, we're just diving in. And yeah, it's been amazing. Going deep. Yes. <laughs> in over my head, I'm going to be... <laughs> Um, but yeah, I will have to, you know, in the, in the fight of Darcy versus Phantom, I do have to give it to Darcy because he doesn't have murderous tendencies. You're right about that. <laughs> but he is a white landowning colonizing male. So <laughs> it's because the murder's not on screen. Oh what he make his money from? I don't know. I mean, Phantom has the singing points. Like we've yeah, already established, yeah. Darcy would never sing in a million years. Mm-hmm. But so true. yeah, little little murdery, little creepy. Well, <laughs> just tad tad murdery. 
yeah, yeah, poor, poor guy. But I will say like this movie, I think, and okay, so two things about this movie. First of all, I'm not sure I love Kira Knightley, like just in general. I think she is just Kira Knightley in every other movie she's in. She she only has one note. Mm -hmm. Um, Mind you, it's gotten her really far, but I just get really sick of her one note. It's like Kira Knightley and then Kira Knightley in a corset. Maybe she has two notes. Or Kira Um, Knightley in a corset on the ocean. There you go. She tends to act with her mouth and that really drives me crazy. She's a mouth actor. So that that's a little annoying, but Darcy is the most romantic Darcy. He's, he's the handsomest Darcy. Um, the, again, the movie is absolutely gorgeous. The other thing though, is since I learned that the girl who plays Mary then was married to Elon Musk, that's all I can see. What? Yeah, so the girl who plays Mary, Tallulah, I forgot her last name. Uh, she got married to Elon Musk. But I think Elon Musk has had three wives, and I think she was number two. So all I can see is, like, future Mrs. Elon Musk. That is insane to me. <laughs> I cannot even picture little, quiet, goth Mary <laughs> with Elon Musk. All she wants is Mr. Collins, and she got Elon Musk. <laughs> well... I could I could see some similarities between Mr. Collins and Elon Musk. <laughs> oh, you know Mr. Collins would have a great Twitter account. Oh, you know he would. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, Mary, that girl would tweet six times a day. Half of them would be book quotes. She has two followers, both are bots. And she retweets everything Mr. Collins says. Yes. yes. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. Who do you think would have the spiciest Twitter account? I think, I don't know, Lydia's would just be like a BTS fan account. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I want to say Lizzie. I mean, Lizzie's definitely the most witty, the most sarcastic, but would she be on Twitter is the question. Oh, 100%. (laughs) Oh, Mr. Bennett would have a great, I'd follow Mr. Bennett. Oh, me too, 100%. Oh, yeah. I love I love Mr. Bennett. He has some spicy takes. Yeah. And ever it's since I listened to Pod and Prejudice, which we're going to get to in a few, I just hear Daddy Bennett. Daddy Bennett. That's who he is. He's our daddy. <laughs> oh, I feel so bad for him for having to be saddled to Mrs. Bennett. Although I will say the Mrs. Bennett in this move, getting back to, to 2005, is the least annoying. I think it's the shrill voice. I, I just can't handle the shrill voice. And so the 95, I just like, it just, I get hives when she comes on screen. I don't know. Yeah. But the 2005, she's like tolerable, (laughs) tolerable enough, I dare say, uh, tolerable (laughs) enough for me to have her on screen, but I don't want her to open her mouth. Oh, but yeah, I think the 1995 definitely ran with the, you are supposed to hate this character thing because they made Mr. Collins just horrible. They made Mrs. Bennett horrible to where you're like I, I can't even listen to you. I can't look at you whereas mm-hmm. in 2005 like you still don't love them but they're more tolerable like you said yeah the, we gotta talk okay wait about the Collins in 2005 he's the guy from Pirates of the Caribbean yes right is Beckett I love him me too and when I tell you that I think about the line what excellent boiled potatoes 
Yes. <laughs> Every day. <laughs> I've seen memes about that line. It's just iconic. It's so like whenever I sit down to dinner and there's potatoes, that's what I'm thinking. What excellent boiled potatoes. It's been many years since I've had fish and exemplary vegetable. <laughs> that's what's going through my mind. That's so great. Uh, there's just some good quotes in that movie. My friend and I used to make fun of when Darcy, I don't remember where they're at, but it's one of those awkward moments when him and Lizzie are in the same room and they're not talking and he just goes, nice house. (laughs) (laughs) Leaves. We used to do that in awkward silences. We'd just be like, nice house. (laughs) I love Darcy so much. He's just a sad boy. Sad, awkward boy who doesn't know what to say. I know. I know. Oh, it's so good. Okay. Moving on to number six is the graphic novel, which came out in 2009. So tell us about that. So, I mean, not really much to say other than it's a different way to consume the Pride and Prejudice uh, story, right? You get a little, you get some pictures, you get a book. Um, I will say it's not the first one to have pictures. There were editions of Pride and Prejudice with pictures and some of them like are famous because of the pictures that are in the book. I'm thinking in is specifically there is a an edition that's called the Peacock edition. Um, that's probably the most famous other than like the first edition. It's probably the most expensive. Mm-hmm. That's from the 1880s or 1890s. And uh, that is beautiful and glorious. So it's not the first one to ever get pictures, but this is definitely something for your modern day, for your modern audience. When my son turns 13, I'm going to hand him the graphic novel and be like, this is what mom references all the time. <laughs> I love so it. it's about time you learned. So um, is this like the text word for word or does it change it a little bit? It fit? shortens it okay. definitely because it has, you know, only can fit a bubble or two, but yeah. it does a lot in terms of, you know, it communicates a lot of emotion through the gorgeous pictures and the gorgeous texts. And like, I feel like graphic novels just do a fantastic job of translating, like how movies translate words into pictures or feelings into pictures. I feel like graphic novels do that, but it's still a printed medium. For sure. So it's really good. And if graphic novels are your thing, there's a few of them out there. I have the one that's the Marvel edition. So, you know, it's good. Mm-hmm. Very good. cool. Yeah. I'll definitely have to check that out. Okay. Next. And this is one I really wanted to get into, but whenever I was going down the rabbit hole, I couldn't find it anywhere. Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. So let's talk. Have you read the book? and seen the movie or just one or the other? Oh, I've done both. All right. Tell us about them. I've been both. Um, so Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, the book, I remember it was like maybe grad school and everyone was freaking out. Now there are some purists that are like, no one can touch the Jane Austen thing wow. and they don't read any fan fiction. They don't read any of the, you know, the novels that kind of mess with whatever. I'm not that person. I'm like, let's all have fun with this. This is ours now. Definitely the author. What's up? Agreed. Um, so if, if you're an English major, you know what that is. But if you're not, go read Barth. Um, so <laughs> they, you know, 
this Pride and Prejudice and Zombies is like in this like alternate, we'll call it AU, alternate universe, um, where there are zombies roaming the earth and uh, they have to fight. They're fighting the zombies. Lady Catherine, I believe, runs a dojo. There's also ninjas. Mm. Um, so they're fighting. There's weapon. Everyone has weapons all the time. And so it's just a melee. It's like we're it's 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 still all there. It's still all there. Like there's still Mr. Collins. There's still everybody, all of our favorite characters. Everything still happens. But they just kill a few zombies along the way. Is like it, every two pages. <laughs> is it more modern or does it still take place in the same time period? Oh, still takes place in the same time period. Got it. Got it. Definitely. And if you're interested in Sense and Sensibility, the Seaside Tale, uh, they do have Sense and Sensibility and Sea Monsters. Oh, love well. it. Love yeah. it. So I, I don't remember that one as much, but yeah, Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, Lady Catherine has a dojo. They go to like martial arts lessons because that's also how they kill the zombies. It's like they have to be good at like jujitsu or something. That's so there's ninjas, there's secret assassins. There's, it's great. Interesting. Very cool. And then does the movie follow the book pretty well? Oh, uh, I don't remember the book well enough, but Lily, I think it's like Lily Collins is Elizabeth Bennett mm. in Prejudice and Zombies. And she's great. She's chef's kiss, top notch. It's like kind of unfair that she was in such a weird Pride and Prejudice because I'd love to see her as Lizzie in a real Pride and Prejudice. Yeah. yeah. Because I think she's she's fantastic but yeah I mean it's gory it's crazy yeah it's a fun time it's a fun time if you're like I need an action movie I need a Pride and Prejudice I can watch with my boyfriend he's an alpha male Hmm. Pride and Prejudice and Zombies (laughs) I love that I'm here for it yeah I just wasn't able to find it but I'm sure I would I would eat it up I'm all about it so oh yeah and it like doesn't take itself too seriously that's the thing I like for sure that's the best but I also like like parodies like this that aren't like actively making fun of the source material. They're just like enhancing it in a new way. They're looking at it with a new perspective. Like there's definitely parody movies that are just making fun. Like I remember there was a Twilight one. I don't remember what it was called. But oh they- yeah, like the 2005 or like the two mid 2000s, like when we were going to make a parody of every movie kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, it's not like- that. Eh, I'm not as big into those but this seems more of like we love Pride and Prejudice let's add zombies to it and just have a good time it's not like yeah. we're making fun of Pride and Prejudice which is yeah cool. I feel like the guy was reading Pride and Prejudice and he was like what would happen if there were zombies it's <laughs> always the best question to ask next time you read your favorite book ask what if there were zombies but what if there were zombies yes <laughs> that's awesome Okay, number eight. I'm so excited to talk about. This is another one I found very recently when I fell down the rabbit hole. This is the Lizzie Bennett Diaries, which you is- You just found this recently? I love this. I'm telling you, I had only seen the 2005 movie until like two years ago. And then suddenly all of this other gloriousness fell into my life. Mm-hmm. So Lizzie Bennett Diaries is a YouTube series. It's got like a hundred episodes- it was created by Hank Green, so you already know it's going to be amazing. Oh, yeah. And it's modern, and it's Lizzie doing, like, video diaries just about her life, just 
it's it's like a project for something i don't remember what it's for like an internship she's doing because she wants to be a video editor or something and (laughs) it's just so good it's so good because she just starts talking about her life she's like oh what can i talk about yeah i have four sisters and i actually don't think she has four sisters i think she only has two i think it's just jane and lydia yeah yeah because kitty and mary barely do anything their cousin is mary she is oh yeah yeah. a couple episodes but anyway and i think lydia has a cat named kitty which is hilarious (laughs) that is exactly what she is for that is what she is it's just, it's really good because you're getting like a modern take on it. You're getting Lizzie, like all of Lizzie's perspective on everything. And then like other people will come in. Oh, and she, instead of having like her parents on, she will impersonate her parents. So she'll like put on a little scarf. And, oh, the hat. And we got the hat. Okay. And act okay. out a scene and she'll make <laughs> Jane like put on a tie and be her dad. It's hilarious. And again, I just couldn't wait to click the next episode, even though I knew the story. It was amazing. It was so creative in the way they did it, too. And I remember, so I was a big fan of the Greens and their YouTube channel and everything. So I remember like when this came out, I was watching it. And so I think I started when episode three came out or something like that. Wow. I was like, oh yeah, that's a thing. I got to watch it. So did and you so, have to like, wait for each episode? It was horrible. It was horrible. When I tell you that um, I literally still remember it came out on Tuesdays and Thursdays at I think 11 a.m. my time. Oh my God. And I would just sit there with like an alarm <laughs> ready because it was before pop-up notifications came it was like old school YouTube. Mm -hmm. It was very like, it was very much, if you like know anything about the history of YouTube, it was very much like 2000, what 2008 or 2009 YouTube, where everyone was just sitting, talking to their camera vlogging. Yeah. So uh, that was really weird and different. Uh, We have to talk about the Mr. Collins in that Maxwell Glick. He's the cutest little cinnamon roll and I love him. Uh, they're the only ones who have made Mr. Collins kind of likable. True. And he's Dan. And it's, I, I subscribe to his YouTube channel to this day. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. That's amazing. Well, part of it is because the Mr. Collins story in the Lizzie Bennet diaries is he's offering her a job. He's not Mm -hmm. proposing to her. So it's a little less cringe. And it just comes down to the fact that should she take this job even though that's not exactly what she wants to do, but it could be like good money for her. It could be good experience for her, but is that really what she wants? And so she ultimately decides no, but then her best friend Charlotte takes it. And so then it's kind of like, oh, like, you know, so it's a little less cringy than my creepy cousin proposed to me. I said no. And then my best friend married him. So (laughs) he's a little more likable. Well, when you put it like that, (laughs) they're like third cousins it's fine still still if your family tree does not fork you are a redneck but yeah yeah it's it's I really like they make each one of the character characters pretty likable in their own way we love Jane Lydia is like nuts but you love her 
And so Lydia, I always just found like super annoying. I never had time for people who were very loud and boisterous and crazy. And I was just too quiet to enjoy that. Even when I was a little kid, I was like, why are they talking so loud? I'm so confused. (laughs) Why are they getting so excited over this? I'm confused. And so like that Lydia is the only Lydia that I've ever really like, oh, she's fun. I like her. She could be my friend, except when she goes down. Um, she's still like annoying she's still Lydia she has like these quirks that you're like okay I can understand how she's different from Lizzie but they humanize her way more in the Lizzie Bennet diaries Mm -hmm. and you feel like sorry for her as to what's going on with her so yeah yes and then I remember the first time and they don't introduce Darcy right you don't get to see him on screen until what 50 or 60 I can't remember. It's like so late. You just see them imitating him with a bow tie and like a beret. And then I think there's like one episode where like you see his torso, but not his head. And you're like, and it cuts. Yes. Yes. It cuts off. I, I literally screamed. I screamed when that happened. When he came on and you just saw his torso and then it cut, I was like, why would you do this to me? And then I had to wait two days. Oh, it's torture. To wait two days to find out. Um, it was awful. And then such a cute Darcy. We yes. a Darcy can't be can't be a Darcy unless he's cute. I'm sorry. Exactly. Like it's yeah. Gonna happen. Yeah. Um, and even they've understood this from way far back because they cast Lawrence Olivier as Darcy the first time. So mm-hmm. like you understand that he has to be like very good to look at. Oh yeah. And so this Darcy, they they specifically got someone very good to look at. He's does a great job of being super awkward in like the stiff and I don't know what to do kind of way. It's oh, yeah. like very robotic. Oh yeah. And then this is the one, the biggest uh Gigi Darcy, Darcy's sister. Um, she really she was the first one that was like, Oh, I have this impression of her. She's cool. Yes. And then I don't know if you ever saw her like offshoot six, I think it was like six or 10 episode show. Mm-hmm. It's on the extras. If you have, I, I feel like they're floating around on the internet still, sure but if you have the D like a connoisseur, <laughs> uh, they're in the extras. <laughs> I absolutely ordered the DVD on Kickstarter when it came out, even though they're free on YouTube. Oh my gosh. I love that. Well, I was like, they've given me so much entertainment for free. I have to pay them somehow. I have to pay them back. But I think actually, if you add up all of the, all of the time on screen, this is actually the longest adaptation. I believe it. Cause there's at least a hundred episodes and some of them are like 10 plus minutes long. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Yep. It's great. I still remember where I was the day the finale dropped. Oh my gosh. I was in my friend's car in the back seat on the way to go eat Vietnamese food. Oh my god. And I was like, I y'all, I totally I want to hang out with you guys. There's a full car. I really have to watch this thing for like seven minutes. Okay. It's this thing, this finale of this series I've been watching on YouTube. And I'm just gonna be quiet and maybe cry for a few minutes. And then when we get there, I'll be happy and I'll be back to normal. And I literally wept in my friend's car. 
Yeah. I wept. That's so good. That's what's good about this story is we know how it ends. And yet with each of these different versions, you just like are on the edge of your seat waiting for it to happen. And when it happens, you're just like, yes. Oh, yes. So good. So good. Indeed. I love it. Okay. Number nine It's from 2013, but I just experienced it for the first time yesterday. It is Austin land. The movie. Okay, I have to hear about this. What did you think? It was so good. Oh my gosh. And I thought I had the story pegged a couple times and then I was still <laughs> flabbergasted at the end. Like, oh tell my- us what you thought was going to happen. What was, okay. what was all going right. On? So let me set the scene for you. This is about this girl played by Carrie Russell, who is like obsessed with Jane Austen, Pride and Prejudice. She's like in her, I don't know how old she's supposed to be, late 20s, early 30s. Um, yeah probably 30s because they make comments about how she's not married yet whatever um but she has like what i said rude i know i know um but they her entire house is like decked out with like fancy plates and teacups and she's got a colin firth um lifestyle life-size cardboard cutout of him as one does they she has like darcy was here over her bed she's got like pink frilly like it's bad and it shows like a montage of her like dating and the guys never live up or like he wants to make out with her but hello she's watching pride and prejudice why aren't you paying attention and so it just doesn't work and her friend is like moving on with her life she's married she's pregnant and she's like okay I need to do something other than just sit here in my cubicle job so I'm going to spend my life savings on this trip to a place called Austin land, which is a fully immersive experience where you get to like go live in this mansion and dress like they did in pride and prejudice and like interact with actors and have like a whole story play out. Fully a place I would go. Oh, a hundred percent. If this place was real, I would be there. Totally. Totally. So she goes and from the moment first of all I did not know Brett McKenzie was in it he was not listed as one of the main actors I was obsessed with Flight of the Concords so I saw him and I was like it's Brett oh my gosh I've never seen him in anything else and as soon as there was a moment where like he helped her out of the carriage or something and I was like he's the love interest I'm calling it right now she's gonna think she's gonna find a different love interest but it's gonna be him and it's gonna be super cute so and then she goes into the place and she realizes, oh, she only paid for the basic package while everyone else got the premium package. And so she's kind of getting screwed. She gets like the lesser bedroom and the lesser dresses and she doesn't get to participate in all the activities. And so she's kind of bummed out. But and there's like a Mr. Darcy character played by J.J. Field, who we love. Oh, my gosh. Stunning. And he plays a perfect a Darcy stunning specimen of a human. Oh, he's truly. So, he's so good. <laughs> He plays a perfect Mr. Darcy and these people are actors and they know there's guests and then there's actors. And so he's like the Mr. Darcy character. And so she's kind of interacting with these people, but she keeps sneaking away to talk to the carriage guy. He's like a servant and he has like earphones in, even though there's not supposed to be any modern contraptions. He's just the one taking care of the animals and the grounds. And so this whole time she thinks okay, here's the only real person I can talk to. Everyone else is an actor. 
and they kind of start flirting and even like start up a relationship. They kiss and they go on these little sneak away dates. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so cute. And I was like, but it's kind of happening fast. I wonder what if he's really one of the actors, but she doesn't know it. That would be heartbreaking, but it never happened. There was never really any conflict. Uh, I mean, there was one conflict where he was a little ticked off that she was getting too into the acting and he was like I have no respect for the women who come here because blah 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 it's not real and so they kind of quit talking for a day or two and so I was like okay I guess that was the big conflict but then they get back together and it's fine but she still wants the engagement ending like the story to play out and so (laughs) she was really hoping that the Darcy character would propose to her by the end And I don't know that he actually proposes, but he says, I love you at the ball on the last night, the Darcy character. And she's like, Mm -hmm. actually, I want something real. And she runs back to the carriage guy and says, let's get out of here. And I'm so glad I met you because you're real and everything else here is fake. And like, it was a fun experience, but let's get back to the real world. Maybe we can hang out. Like I'll change my flight and we can just hang out in London. And he was like, that would be great. I'd love to see you in like pants instead of these weird dresses. And it's super cute. And then like in the final five minutes of the movie, I'm not kidding. I've been watching the clock as to when this movie is supposed to be over. And the last five minutes you find out he was an actor, the carriage guy. And they, it was like all a part of the story and he didn't really love her. But the Darcy character did actually love her because this was his very first week as an actor here. And he just thought it would be cool to try this immersive experience because he's a history nerd, but then realized he really liked her. And so like followed her back to America and they kiss in the last frame of the movie. And you're just like, my heart can't take it. Oh my God. Yes. Yes. We also have to give it up that the man that you're after is the history professor. And I'm like, yes, give me a history professor any day of the week. Oh, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Yeah. But it's so great. There's so many great things about this movie. It's hilarious. First of oh, all. Oh, yeah. So good. It's hilarious. So they're like Jennifer Coolidge is in it. Oh, we yeah. Love She's her. Amazing. We love her. I would say Jennifer Coolidge's best movie. I don't know. What's I could see Cinderella? that. I could see that. <laughs> um, there's uh, all of the actors um, are like, especially the meathead actors are my favorite. Yes. Uh, the one that just like is like flexing his pecs the whole time. Great. Yes. So good. And did you know, did you know that I always come with fun trivia? The guy who plays her husband, the, the woman's husband, uh-huh. uh, the one that just lays on the couch, he is Mr. Hurst from the 95 version. Oh my gosh. I did not realize that. Yeah. That's- so he basically plays the exact same character oh in the exact gosh. same clothes. I love that. That is a cool nod. I did not realize. But yeah. And this version also has something else I highly, highly respect. And this is, I'm going to go feminist a little bit, but her best friend who is trying to like push her to like experience reality, her best friend is pregnant throughout the whole movie and they never talk about it. 
And every time you see someone pregnant in a movie, that's part of the plot or, you know, you can't stop and, and you can't like help but stop and talk about it. And I love that this is a movie like written by women, made for women, acted in by women. And it's just part of life that it's just like wearing a cute top. Like you never talk about it. And mm-hmm. I think that's really cool. I was like, wow, woman is visibly pregnant and it never comes up as part of the story. And I love that. That is so actually. true. That is so true. I didn't realize that, but that is awesome. Yeah. I'm like, it took me like a few times to watch it, to see that. And I was like, yeah. Hey, they never, that's cool. They never mentioned it. It's not ever just a plot device. It's just a woman being a woman in this point in her life. Exactly. Exactly. Wow. Yeah. And JJ field. Oh my God. Oh, I love him. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen turn, but my husband made me watch it and he's amazing. Oh, I, I love turn. Oh, and so I'm just over here like that's John Andre oh my gosh (laughs) and then he's the Darcy character so you can't help but love him but then you're thinking he's acting the whole time don't fall in love with them don't fall in love with them (laughs) but then he falls in love with her it's great and then we have to talk about her piano version of Nellie's it's getting hot in her I died (laughs) That was so good. I was like, what song are they going to make her play? Like, I'm I'm anxiously waiting. And then <laughs> she comes out with that. Oh, my gosh. So for those who have not seen it, have not heard, don't know what we're talking about. Darcy's aunt, Lady Catherine, at some point is like, hey, play the piano, Elizabeth. And Elizabeth's like, no, I suck at the piano, really. And she's like, play it. And I'm rich. So you have to do what I say. And so Lizzie sits down and she like plays it and makes mistakes and it's funny or whatever. Um, well, in this version, the lady, I can't remember her name, the lady who like like, runs the whole thing. Models yeah, Brook, uh, is like, why don't you play for us? And she's like, no, I'm really bad at it. I only know one song. And she's like, well, play the one song. And it <laughs> happens to be like Nellie. It's, it's getting, getting hot, and hot in here. So take off all your clothes. And then you see JJ Field in the back, like just jamming. <laughs> Oh, good. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, we it's didn't amazing. even mention the rich lady who completely turns out to also be a fake. We haven't even mentioned her. I know. All of it. It was just making me laugh. It also made me laugh. So, one of the actors, like, as soon as they are in the carriage leaving, she like drops her British accent. She's like, oh my gosh, that was a crazy one. And she goes, you're not British. And she was like, no, but you think I did a good job? That's great. And then when she's in the airport talking to carriage guy played by New Zealander, Brett McKenzie and Darcy guy played by JJ Field, who's I think actually British. I don't know. Yeah. She looks to Brett McKenzie and says, or he calls him a Kiwi and she goes, you're not British either. And I'm like, are you dumb? (laughs) His Kiwi accent was coming through this entire movie. Like, I don't know if he was even pretending to be British. Like come on no <laughs> but for the dumb americans who would go like they, they wouldn't be able to tell cares? it's all british to us yeah i have to sit there like even me and i'm a big english media consumer i have to sit there and go okay does this person sound like peppa pig or bluey <laughs> which one and then i have to decide are they english are they australian i, I could say- not pick out I could not pick out any of the other dialects. South African, no idea. 
Oh, New man. Zealand. No idea. I, I can it. recognize. Well, I know Brett, so I knew his voice. So maybe that's why I was able to pick up on it. But I watched an entire season of Love on the Spectrum before I realized they were in Australia and not <laughs> England. So, you know, I can't really brag too much. I just know Brett's accent, I guess. Welcome to this podcast episode of Americans Being Dumb. Yes. <laughs> Here with your expert hosts. <laughs> yeah. Okay, couple more. Number 10 pod and prejudice which is this amazing podcast hosted by becca and molly it first aired in 2019 and they're still going so becca is a jane austen fanatic and she's like a lawyer and super smart and amazing and molly is reading jane austen for the very first time and they read like four chapters or so and then record an episode talking about it And they're both like modern day feminists. And so they have a lot of interesting points to talk about. And they still just like gush over the story, which is super great. Like Molly is a straight up lesbian and still can't help but like fall in love with Mr. Darcy. That is how good this character is. Who can help fall in love with Mr. Darcy? I know. I know. It's amazing. So they're hilarious. They are awesome. And I listen to them. I pretty much binge listened to their Pride and Prejudice season after I read the book and it it was just amazing. They point out stuff that like I hadn't caught and it was just really great. They also talk about the 1995 series, the 2005 movie. Um, they had like on their Instagram story, they briefly talked about Lizzie Bennet Diaries, but I think they'll come back and do an episode or so about that, which I am highly looking forward to. But they're continuing on and now they're in Sense and Sensibilities. So they're going through all of the Austin books. So hopefully they'll be around for a while, but it's pretty great. Yes, we love Becca and Molly. I don't even know how I like came across their podcast. I heard I about no it idea. from you. So thanks for that. Yeah. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> um, but it gives you so many uh, kind of inside jokes. It's like really, you feel like you're listening to it with your friends. So like, as I read something and I'm like, hoops, and, (laughs) and you have all these inside jokes, then now you get to like, oh, look, it's daddy Bennett. Okay. And lady Catherine de Berg, (laughs) you had to do it at least once. Could not be, could not be a pod and prejudice stand podcast without Uh, But yeah, and then, you know, so you have like these, these things that keep coming up. So you have uh, inside jokes, and you feel like you're reading it with a person. And yeah, if you've never read Pride and Prejudice, and you're like, I'm gonna do it. I would suggest like reading it, and then listening along. So they're like, I think like three chapters is their first, they do the first three chapters, and then they do like four through six or something. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. but uh, yeah, it's really great. And I really like, this is, if you've ever struggled with your self-esteem as a podcaster, I like that their audio is really, really low. Like if you've ever listened to their podcast, they tend to turn their audio down normal lengths um, because I like to listen to it to go to sleep. And I like to put my phone on the lowest setting and then their podcast is even quieter than most other ones. So that's how I I'm channeling Pride and Prejudice literally as I have REM cycles. Uh, 
I love it. So you dream about it. But yeah, they, uh, they're fantastic. And yeah, she'll, they'll explain things about the economics of dating in Jane Austen and the time period. So, um, and it's very much like, it's very much like you can dive in as an every person and they will kind of answer your questions. And it's very, I feel like it's very accessible. It really is because Molly has no idea. And she just said, oh, I'm going to read Pride and Prejudice for the first time. And Becca was like, oh man, let's talk about it because she's obsessed. So that's why I started Sense and Sensibilities because I wanted to read it with them, but I didn't quite, quite get there. So if I can just finish like the first couple of chapters and listen to their episode, then maybe I'll have more of a, a motivation to keep going. But it's also funny. So I had already read Pride and Prejudice. I knew the story when I listened to that season. And so it's hilarious to see Molly like making predictions about stuff and be yeah. wrong. But I'm sure if I went okay. along with them as like a first time reader of Sense and Sensibility, then I might have similar predictions that who knows what's going to happen later on so oh yeah I'm obsessed when she's like oh Wickham we love him Darcy we hate him I know I'm like yes okay this won't age well yeah okay just wait (laughs) yeah just wait just wait and I think that like she does a good job at not giving away what's gonna happen you know so and yeah to imagine they've done the whole thing since the pandemic like I think the pandemic was like their seventh episode yeah something. yeah and they kept going like That's- they were like, all right we're gonna do this we figure out how to do it virtually and they kept up with it which probably helped a lot of people who are stuck they're like all right let's read Jane Austen with these girls and get through this so <laughs> something that I will go back and listen to the episode that's the start of the pandemic and like I remember from very early in the pandemic they would always come on like their YouTube video or their podcast and be like this was filmed during the COVID-19 pandemic of 2020 and our thoughts and prayers are with the first responders and you're like my god we've been through this for two years (laughs) get on they thought this is going to be a casual three weeks it was very serious exactly yep and we're like okay yeah move on we don't care anymore (laughs) yeah yeah anyway it's it's really good and their instagram is just great they post a lot of good pride and prejudice memes and they have to constantly remind people on instagram like hey we have a podcast we're not just here for the memes (laughs) so yeah they're great but good for them. Good I know. For them. Yeah. And then sense and sensibility. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta get with it, girl. Like, come on. I know I do. Because I'm, I'm as much as you love Darcy, I won't say as much, but almost as much as you love Darcy, you will love the characters and sense and sensibility. All right. All right. I, I, it's definitely on my list. I've just been in a little bit of a reading slump this, this year. So I've only had to pick books that I'm like obsessed with. Mm-hmm. So Colonel I, will, I will get to it and I will keep you updated. Okay. Last one. Number 11. I know nothing about this. Apparently it came out last year, but I was very intrigued when you mentioned it. Pudge and Prejudice. What yeah, is Yeah. So, okay. I didn't know it came out last year. That was cool. Um, so Pudge and Prejudice is in our writers group. I, of course, clearly talked about how much I love Jane Austen. Um, And someone was at uh, the bookstore, like a Goodwill or something, and found a 
a copy of basically like a retelling of Pride and Prejudice called Pudge and Prejudice. Mm -hmm. And she sent it to me like a sweetheart, God bless her. And um, it was, and I devoured it in like two days. It was great. Uh, So basically it's this retelling. It's a book retelling of Pride and Prejudice, but set in like 1980s small town, Texas. Love that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So Billy Fitz, he's the Billy Fitz. I feel like that's not it. Billy Darcy. Anyway. Fitz would make sense because here's something that shocked me to my core reading the book for the first time. Darcy's first name is Fitzwilliam. What? Oh, it's awful. Why? Why? No wonder so many good just names. calls him Darcy. <laughs> yeah. Okay, sorry. No, you're good. So there is a whole reason why his name is Fitzwilliam. We could get into the minutia. True. But uh, True. basically his mom's maiden name was Fitzwilliam. Yeah. So that's how that came in. Um, but so anyway, or no, it was DeBerg, but they came from the Fitzwilliam family. But anyway. No, see, that's wrong too. Never mind. Well, there anyway, is, like his cousin character, that's last name is Fitzwilliam. So it's somewhere in the family. Yes. Yes. So Fitzwilliam, no, Fitzwilliam, his mom was a Fitzwilliam. And then her sister, Catherine, married into the DeBergs. Yes. And then she married into the Darcy's. Yes. So yes. Um, but still, horrible first name. Horrible. No one has been able to, like, everyone wants to fix it. And I understand why. It's garbage. That's why um, they never Charles mentioned Finley. it in the 2005 movie. It is never mentioned. Yeah. And so I was shaken to my core. I had to put the book down. I was like, that is his name. <laughs> what? I'm more shook by the fact they never tell us Mr. and Mrs. Bennett's first name. Oh. They never have said. That's true. Interesting. One of the movies, I think it might be 95 gives mr bennett the first name of claude which is oh, awful yeah that's a hideous decision yeah that's weird. bad but i don't think they ever give mrs bennett a first name yeah no first names in this no, society but yeah so this one has the darcy character he's the captain of the football team and he lives with uh the bingley character because like his mom or his dad i can't remember is like off doing business in New York or something. Mm -hmm. And then the Bennett's move to town and the Bennett's like, like she starts going to the high school and she's like the awkward girl. So she has like these interactions, blah, blah, blah. It's very like, it's very teen story. So, you know, they go to the prom, they go to the football game. Mm -hmm. Uh, They drink a lot of Coke, like, because it's the eighties and that's what you did. Uh, It does try, it does like drop, 1980s references but like not as annoying as like ready player one uh ready player one was just like how many 80s references can i shove into this novel um but it's very casual it's very like here i'm gonna drop this like camaro reference i'm gonna drop this whatever whatever um and then music and stuff like that so it's yeah and then they have like a wickham and uh, the whole thing plays out it's very cute it's very um I like how they made them younger. So like no one's ever made them younger, I feel like. So the fact that it's like teen and we're as a society really obsessed with teens, right? Um, Like teen movies, I don't know. But I'm like, how is this not the first time this has been done? (laughs) 
Yeah. Oh, I'm sure this is wild to me. So I'm sure it exists out there somewhere, but I just yeah. fanfiction.net, I'm sure it could hook you up. Yeah. They have everything. Uh, as you were talking about Darcy versus Phantom of the Opera, I was like, oh, okay. So one half of fanfiction.net, the other half being Harry Potter. So it's like half Harry Potter. In 2005, fanfiction.net was half Harry Potter, one fourth Phantom of the Opera, and one fourth Pride and Prejudice. Yeah. And that was <laughs> that was our land. And as we talked about in the writers group, at least 70% of the Harry Potter fan fiction was Hermione Malfoy. Naturally. So naturally, which I'm strongly opposed to. But anyway, uh, I am. Take a guess what percentage of Phantom of the Opera fan fiction has Christine actually end up with the Phantom? Oh, it's disgusting. And I see, I'm not a phantom. Like, I'm like, obviously Raul is the correct person for you. How is this? How is this a question? He's rich. He's handsome. He loves you. How, how do you want the murderous troll in the dungeon? Why? Raul can also sing. Yeah. Well, my biggest beef with him is I can never pronounce his name. She sometimes says Raul. Sometimes she says Raul. I'm like, I don't know. Just yeah. I'll hang out with Phantom in the basement. It'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, it, you'll have to have me back on when we talk about Love Never Dies, okay? Because okay. uh, I have opinions. <laughs> I have opinions. It's great. Um, that's my opinion. It's one of the greatest things that ever lived, ironically. But yeah, so Pudge and Prejudice, it's really good. The only thing I will say was a little off-putting for me was it gets a little fat shamey because like her nickname is Pudge. I was about to say, where is that? Oh, I got to lose weight. I got to eat a a celery stick. And I'm like, really? Does this, I get that it was the 80s and like everyone was on a diet, but like, why? Yeah. Why? Why does this have to exist? But yeah, so it was really good. I liked, I mean, I felt the characters, they did her, like her mom and her dad, especially the mom as very like Christian. Hmm. And so that's why she's like, you have to get married. You have to go on a date. You have to do all this because good Christian girls get married. Yes. And I was like, okay, well, the religion aspect plays a weird role in it. Yeah. I have not, there is a, one of the many versions we're not talking about is the Mormon version of Pride and Prejudice. Mormon Mormon version. I've heard it's terrible. I'm like, <laughs> this is a horrible joke. Maybe I'll cut it if you think it's bad, but they could all yeah. marry the same guy. <laughs> all Everyone marries Darcy in the end. <laughs> no, but like, yeah, I've never seen the Mormon version. I've heard it's terrible. Like it's objectively terrible. Yeah, yeah. Like Pride and Prejudice is fun. Yeah. Pride and Prejudice 1940 is fun. This movie is a terrible movie. Yeah. So I haven't seen it. But the bring it so like the problem with Pride and Prejudice is that the context of the novel, the like family kind of d- dynamic and structure is very much lost to the Western world. Like we just don't let our parents decide who we're gonna marry anymore. Yeah. We don't care what they kind of think anymore. Um, especially if we're like 20 years old, like Lizzie's supposed to be. Yeah. So I find the most successful adaptations 
are either like put in Eastern context, like Bride and Prejudice, like, yeah, it makes sense that like Lalita's Indian mother is extremely concerned with who she is going to marry because it brings shame on the family if she doesn't marry, right? It makes sense that she would be pressured to marry Mr. Collins. Yeah. Whereas in a lot of modern Western contexts, that doesn't make sense. So you have to kind of put a subculture onto it that still still has this like large family dynamic, still has a lot of honor, shame culture. So yeah, you kind of have to put these things on it for it to work in the Western world or else you'll just have like Lizzie Bennett, like Mr. Collins offers her a job. You know, sure. it's like the marrying our cousin, maybe not so much anymore. Yeah. But <laughs> so that's like moving forward. How do you change it in the way, right? If you're going to put it in modern day, how do you change it in the way where it makes sense in the modern day? Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like we just need to see a lot more Eastern context because they still do very much have this like honor shame culture they are like the more family dynamic and so that's what I need to see more of yeah come on guys yeah even after all of these versions we're still here for more versions like oh give me yeah I'm I've I've read all the fanfiction.net ones like come on yeah I need more you need more But also, I think it is inspiring to like fan fiction authors out there that like some of these are legit like published hardcover hardcover books and got turned into movies. Like there is a place for fan fiction in the world. It doesn't just have to live for free on some random website. Like people like it. Oh yeah, there's a huge market for just just Pride and Prejudice, not even all of Jane Austen's books. Another Jane Austen book, another Pride and Prejudice retelling I've read takes place in colonial America. Oh, interesting. Um, Yeah. So when I got out of grad school, I only read junk for two years because I was sick of reading smart stuff. Me too. Um, So I read smart stuff for two years, then I read junk for two years. It balanced out. Um, And a lot of what I read then was like Jane Austen, takes uh you know like there have one about mary's story of how she finds love so there's we didn't even talk about like the the gigantic market around and i mean writers make their entire career off of retelling pride and prejudice or telling it in a different way like there's pride and prejudice from darcy's point of view there's pride and prejudice but like death comes to pemberley like what happens after and then i think wickham dies I feel like that's the plot of Death Comes to Pemberley is Wickham Dies. I don't remember. Um, But we didn't even get into like stories that happen around it or stories that happen after because there's a ton. You could could probably read one of those every year for the rest of your life. Maybe two, maybe three, maybe one a month for the rest of your life. Honestly. Yeah. You would still not run out of material. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. (sighs) Ah. It's just the gift that keeps on giving, Pride and Prejudice. It is. It really is. Oh, makes me want to like go back down the rabbit hole, watch the movies again. <laughs> yes. Watch do what- it. Do it. Do. <laughs> We're all going to, everyone listening to this is going to go, first of all, watch the 2005 movies. Yes. I think. Yes. Yeah. I think last time I checked, it was on Netflix. So no excuse. People who have U.S. Netflix, hop on it. Let's do this. Yes, true. 
I have all of them on DVD, but now no one uses DVDs. So, yeah, that's, I don't know. I like owning my movies. I like knowing that if the internet goes out, I could still watch this movie. I agree. No, I agree. There's some that I'm like, why do I not have a physical copy of this yet? Like just in case it gets taken off of every streaming service known to man. Yeah. Thank you. (laughs) Well, even then, so some of those I buy on YouTube. So I'm like, I always know I'll be able to connect to YouTube. Like, let's say my computer crashes, falls off a cliff, does whatever. I'm on my phone in the middle of the night. I'll still have YouTube. That is true. So that is true. So like the 1940 Pride and Prejudice, I've like all of these you could get off of YouTube. Yeah. But I especially like YouTube for those older movies that you can't find everywhere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if you've ever tried to get a DVD of an old movie. They pretty much don't exist. That is true. It's very difficult. That's so. Great. Yeah. But yeah. <sighs> So Thank that's you so 11 much. Pride and Prejudices. I know. I know. And y'all, this is barely scratching the surface. So, oh, but thank you so much for being on this episode. I love all of your Pride and Prejudice expertise and commentary. It was amazing. And we could probably talk way more about it, but I'm going to cut us off. Part two coming soon. Yeah. <laughs> Where we dive into only fan fictions from fanfiction.net. It's going to be great. <laughs> I'm so here for that. Don't even joke about it. (laughs) It could happen. It could happen. All right. Well, thank you so much. I hope you have a good rest of your day and see you. Thanks for having me. Yes, of course. Thanks for joining me for 11Zs. If you liked what you heard, please leave a review, subscribe, tune in each Thursday and tell your friends. You can connect with me on Instagram and Twitter at kdsubcreations and check out my blog and other free content at the link in the description. Now go where you must go and hope.